1: It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Mickey Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader, giving and O's of all things fantasy.
0: Hello, MD Nation, and welcome. To the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dauhauer. We're streaming to you live on social media as we speak at Billy Up MDFF Show. And of course, when we get the chance to do so, subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channels. We're live there as well. Comment in throughout the night. We'll be here to answer your questions as you go through this all important Thursday night and early slates of Week 9 Matchup Previews talk about everything fantasy football-related, our expectations, along with our Bet Picks of the Week. Chris, how are you doing today?
2: So I'm sitting here pretty disappointed thinking about, you know, the NBA has great trade deadline. Major League Baseball has a great trade deadline. Hell, even hockey has a good trade deadline. And the NFL was a complete ugh bunch of guys who should have been traded would have been excited to be traded still sitting there on the same old teams
0: a lot of that and uh as dan just commented in on the show put it up there again yeah the last 24 hours been hell for fantasy purposes on top of all of it so the trades that were made were mostly defense first and foremost a lot of offensive talk but didn't actually happen so from a fantasy perspective unless you're in idp leagues which we don't usually go over in this show to begin with nothing much happened for you from that standpoint but this morning post trade deadline a bunch of news came out a bunch of things that has all of our heads swirling as we move into week nine so let's hit this drop real quick
1: breaking news
0: The lead that we should kick off with because we could talk about it once and then hopefully never have to talk about it again, or at least not on this show context anyway. Henry Ruggs, the news about him getting the DUI, which wound up unfortunately killing a woman, it sounds like. He was going 156 miles an hour, airbags deployed at 127, loaded a gun in the glove department box, and his alcohol level was a 1.61. I don't even know how you can keep your eyes open at that point when your alcohol level is that high, let alone think it's okay to get behind a car to top it all off. The NFLPA made sure they readdressed the issue of yes, these guys have the option at any point, anytime, wherever they are, if they are under the influence, we have a car service. We will come pick you up. So there's no excuses here whatsoever with all everything we've found out legally wise. I can't see a scenario in which he's not headed to prison. The Raiders abruptly cut him which I think for them was definitely the right thing to do. Don't wait on it. Don't wait to see what happens. Just, just cut them. And I agree with you, Dan. Yes, idiot. It's beyond excusable. And this is something that I don't normally like to do on this show. I like to keep the fancy football and betting purposes because there's a lot of other places, a lot of other outlets you can go to to talk about you know, the ramifications from a personal level on this. But it's just beyond stupid. Beyond stupid. Beyond disgusting. And it costs someone their life because you're a moron there's no other way to put it you're irresponsible you're a moron i hope he serves some kind of jail time because there's been duis there's accidents but this one at least for me anyway is so far beyond gone as far as the 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 circumstances around this that i find myself disgusted enough to actually have to talk about it on this show Where, where are you at chris
2: yeah, I 100% agree, and we kind of briefly talked about this yesterday on Billy at Fantasy Live, and and we both, well, you know, sent our sentiments to the families who lost their lives. I mean, it was ridiculous. And then to find out this guy's basically you know, on 155, 155 miles an hour, you know, has a gun in his car, driving like a lunatic, and when you have the options as a professional athlete to have somebody, like, come pick you up, as you talked about, a lot of these leagues will put, supply somebody. Of is it's 3.30 in the morning, but that was even bringing up another point where we're just talking about, you know, it's Monday, your practice on Tuesday, you've been on a two-week bye, We had a week bye last week, what the hell were you doing at 3.30 in the morning in the first place on the road flying around like a crazy person? So, right. yeah, this is just, just beyond disappointing. And, um, you know, professional-wise and fantasy-wise, I, I was going to verge eating my words with Henry Ruggs because I actually was really you know, impressed with how he's been playing this season, and now his career is basically over.
0: No, I, I mean, hopefully it's not basically. Hopefully it actually is. And yeah, I mean, that game is a, is a later slate game, so that's usually a game I'll get into more detail in tomorrow's show on Thursday night, same place, same time. Well, actually, not same time, 8.30 tomorrow night at Billy Up MVFF Show and on the YouTube channel. We'll be streaming to you live from there. Of course, you always check us out in your favorite posturing app afterwards. But, yeah, I mean, Brian Edwards is playing a lot. Hunter Renfro boost goes up. Uh, there's some target return probably in store for a Darren Waller. Uh, so all those things kind of come into play now with Henry Ruggs out of the picture. So we addressed that first off. I wanted to do that and get that out of the way because we had to talk about it, but at the same time, I don't want to have to talk about it anymore. And there's going to be a lot of other places to follow this news and follow this story that are going to be more suited than what this show is for. Now, let's get into something that's breaking news, but a little more fantasy uh, relevant, but I'm also going to be very heated about. And that's going to be Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) This (laughs) What? (laughs) What? (laughs) So, okay, you tested positive for COVID-19. Not the first player to do that during the season. It happens. Whatever. But we've been under the impression this entire time that Aaron Rodgers was vaccinated. And there's been 20 million clips going back to his press conference when he was asked that question outright. And he says in there, he doesn't quite say vaccinated. I'll give him that. But he says immunized or immunization or whatever the term it was that he used to to describe himself. Turns out this guy has been, I don't know, boosting his immune system with a personal doctor. Didn't actually get a vaccination. So he's automatically out this week. And there's a very good chance, given the protocols and given that he's going to have to test negative and not show symptoms over the next week on top of it, there's a very good chance he misses next week. Thank you, Aaron Rodgers. So not only are you behind the eight ball trying to figure out how are you going to replace Aaron Rodgers? Now you have to take a look at Devontae Adams and the Packers offense as a whole to what to do from that standpoint from a fantasy analysis. Chris, I want your initial reaction, though, first on this news.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was I was surprised that he had not vaccinated. You know, you talked about kind of his comments that have been made to the press. And then, you know, this is something we talked about at the beginning of the season. And, and Cam Newton basically, got, you know, gotten a lot of heat over, possibly why he got cut from his team. Was because it's you know it's a big deal when your quarterback misses time, particularly if they're not vaccinated, because they cannot just miss one game, but most, you know, possibly two. There's only 11 days between now and next week's game for Aaron Rodgers, and he's got a 10-day period he has to wait. So basically, you're up against the gun almost, almost immediately to be able to miss next week's game, and that's just you know when you're in a playoff hunt, or especially where Green Bay is right now, trying to keep home field advantage with that big win over Arizona. That's this is the same kind of thing, that can, you know, sabotage your season in a lot of ways, not just fantasy people, but as well as your own personal team.
0: Yeah, Dan, there, uh, mentioning AJ Green, we're gonna talk about him in a second as well. Yeah, it, it, it becomes a whole issue, a whole issue now because you're lucky you're seven and one. But remember, there's only one team that gets a bye week now. That's it. So even when you're 7-1, and one, you're still competing for that bye week because it's such a huge advantage over the rest of the field. You're playing against the Seahawks next week. You're playing against the Chiefs this week. You put yourself in a bad situation. You put yourself in a team in a bad situation. And you've already been at wit's end with the team this entire summer. Well, now the story goes back the other way. Now the story goes back to maybe the Packers have more... of a, legs to stand on than they originally did throughout this whole fiasco, making Aaron Rodgers not look so good. Here's what I will say. It's all going to come down to the play of Jordan Love on Sunday. All of it. If he plays well, then let the, then let the Aaron Rodgers Festival pinata opening begin. If he doesn't, then everything Aaron Rodgers has said up until this point will have been proven correct. So that's what that storyline is going to boil down to. That'll be an interesting aspect of it. You have Devontae Adams. I have. I did my rankings last night, unfortunately, because I didn't know this morning was going to be this insane. I will be updating my rankings between tonight and tomorrow before the Thursday night game kicks off. So I still had Devontae Adams rated as my number two wide receiver heading into this week. It's more likely now that I'll have him either as a low-end wide receiver one or a high-end wide receiver two. Now, luckily for him, he's still Devontae Adams, and he gets a nice match against the Kansas City Chiefs defense, which is horrendous. But Chris, where do you have him ranked in your mind heading into this week?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely puts a huge dent in his production. Um, I, I, we've seen him kind of survive with other quarterbacks in the past. Brett Howley pops to mind. Um, and I think that there's an opportunity for De, you know, Devontae Adams to kind of do his thing. But I'm in agreement with you. I think that takes away his top five potential this week in a lot of ways. Now you're looking at a guy who's borderline you know, receiver one, receiver two, and that's not what you're looking for when you have Devontae Adams on your team, particularly after missing last week.
0: Uh, Dan, if you're asking the question, because we, we have him on the horn right now, if you're asking the question, do you trust Devontae Adams? The answer is yes. You trust Devontae Adams because he's still Devontae Adams. He's still very good, and he's still got a nice matchup here. And the one thing we can expect out of Jordan Love, and I think, Chris, you would agree with this, he's going. To, the, the offense is going to be very simplified. It's going to be you hit Devontae Adams, if he's not open, you're checking it down to Aaron Jones. And it's not going to be much more complicated than that throughout this entire thing. So from that standpoint, you're good with the volume there. Uh, <laughs> this is actually a funny one, because I actually tried to offer this trade today so, <laughs> somewhere else. Got Adams for Mike Williams and Khalil Herbert. Yeah, I think you are still be fine in the long run. He will come back at some point in time. Let's move into the A.J. Green news, because we mentioned that. COVID-19. He also goes on COVID-19, but they have another thing going on too with DeAndre Hopkins. He's dealing with the hamstring injury. We saw last week he's legit hurt and he may be pushing to try to keep playing and doing all that great tough guy stuff. He keeps doing that. He's going to wind up missing multiple weeks because he can't, he, you, you can't do that to the hamstring injury. Hamstring does, injury does not get better by playing on it. It only gets better if you rest it. So if he keeps trying to push this needle, Hopkins is going to want to doing more damage than good. I tend to think he's not practice. He didn't practice today. I doubt he practiced this week at all. I know they're desperate to keep these guys out there, especially since AJ Green's probably not going to play, getting listed on the COVID nineteen list. But I tend to think there's a really good shot he does not play this week. If he doesn't, Christian Kirk, Rondale Moore, shoot up my list. We'll go into that game in more detail later on, though. But I just want to get the AJ Green news. Out of the way because there's just so much COVID 19 news. And our last piece of COVID 19 news for the day, and Chris, I want your reaction on this one. This because this was this was a whole mess in and of itself. Saquon Barkley, part one of 13 players who test positive initially yesterday, got retested, all except for one of the one of the coaches on the staff tests negative the following day. So good news in that sense, where it sounds like he'll get he'll get another test tomorrow morning. If it was a false positive, which it sounds like it was, he'll be tested negative. And then we get back to finally, okay, do you get on the practice drill because of the ankle? Or where are you at on that issue? But <laughs> this, I, I remember correctly last year, didn't the Giants have an issue with this last year?
2: Yeah, I know there was definitely a team that had some, a similar issue in the New York area. I couldn't remember if it was the Giants or the Jets. But there was something that unfolded last year that you know they basically knew it was tainted and had an issue and had to kind of everybody get retested again. So it's, it sounds like maybe somebody's got to try to get this team in some kind of way and or sabotaging them. I'm not really sure because this is definitely coincidental if it's the same team that happened all over again, too.
0: It, yeah, yeah. Someone needs to give whoever the doctors are administering this test. They need to go get something figured out. That's for sure. Okay. Usually we don't have that much news we have to break the show out with, but today was insane. So we did. Let's actually get into what we want to get into with this show starting off with the Thursday night preview. I don't know how much I want to get into this because the Jets, but I am going to lead off the show with this. Mike White was a nice story. He had a nice performance, wonderful, great underdog story. You can tell your kids forever, Mike White, because after this game, I don't expect you to be starting for anybody else ever again. Even his, his name alone even sounds like a practice squad quarterback. Everyone's losing their minds right now over Mike White because of the they and look, they're deservedly so. They beat the Cincinnati Bengals. They're a legitimate five and two team. They're very good. They won that game thirty four to thirty one. Had no business winning that game. Good for you. It ain't gonna happen a second time against the Colts. I'm gonna guarantee you that right now. Okay. First of all, probably even a little bit of a better defense. But second of all, what's, what's the saying? Even even a dog has a fifteen minutes of sun, sunshine. <laughs> on, even, on a even, a,
2: even a dog even that even the sun shines on a dog's ass once in a while or yes yeah. exactly thank you
0: that's yeah it doesn't happen twice in a row though C- chris what's your comments on mike white with the ridiculousness that we've been having Well, first to of this all
2: week? we talked about just on yesterday's show about how crazy this season has been and to have somebody like mike white throwing for 400 yards and being the leading you know Average, average had the most yards as a quarterback this past week for fantasy football, and congratulating the guy in North Jersey who won one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars for betting that he would be that guy on one on um, one on one hundred twenty-five thousand. I think it um, was the odds he had. So congratulations to that guy. But I'm in agreement with you. Mike White isn't anything special. Um, he's got some decent arm strength. He's a decent quarterback. Ultimately, what he lived off of was checking down, and he was able to get the ball to the running backs. So they make some plays. Cincinnati had a really poor game plan overall. They tackled horribly. So yes, don't read too much into the all said that Mike White's going to be the future. And you know, Zach Wilson's done, and this is going to be the guy. Uh, they traded for Joe Flacco for a reason. They're looking for they don't necessarily believe in Mike White. But you know, it was a great story, and I gotta give him some kudos and first start in a long time, and he's able to kind of go out there and light it up. But don't don't think he's gonna be continuing in any kind of stretch of the means.
0: Yeah, it's just this is the epitome of two themes that I saw come out of week nine. And it started with, and Chris, you weren't here for the recap show or from the uh, the preview show that we did on Friday morning. But the themes started with that Thursday night game, and there was two of them. The first one was this. Why is it that coaches only coach and actually scheme when their backs are against the wall and their star players aren't available to them? And all of a sudden, they come up with this great game plan to consistently keep their offenses ahead of the chains, their team playing above their heads, And they wind up winning games. They have no business winning. It started with the Packers. And that theme carried on into another theme, which is what is with the backup quarterbacks winning games this year? You go back to Case Keenum with the Cleveland Browns. Mike White this past Sunday. Trevor Simeon had to come in the game and he beats Tampa Bay and Tom Brady in that matchup. Cooper what Rush is it Cooper Rush. Thank you. I was trying to think of the other one. Cooper Rush comes in beats the Minnesota Vikings coming off of a buy in Minnesota. So answer, answer me both those two themes. Cause those are the two themes I had. I had a comment on them. It drives me nuts. I would love to get your reactions on those.
2: Yeah. So I'm definitely cheesing about the, especially the first comment, because this is something I was writing or raving off, off the air yesterday that does it take coaches basically to have their backs in the corner to decide what to do with their actual job is, which is coach. But it does seem to be the case that's when they actually get creative. That's when they actually motion guys, when they actually move guys around and try to utilize what works best for them. Like you said, you saw it in Green Bay. You've seen it almost everywhere. Uh, I go back to the Case Keenum game. Um, they did a great job of kind of making it easier for him and being putting him in his a his position to succeed. And Baker comes back out there. They put Baker back out there to, in the same old offense that he's been struggling in. It's amazing how these, these coaches just seem to only want to coach um, when they're like backs are against the wall or everybody's doubting them or they had backup players, as you're pointing out. To me, it's just a sad state of affairs as where coaching really is right now. I think a lot of people are overrated when it comes to coaching because you, this whole scheme movement in, in the NFL particularly, it's this idea that just because you're having – you know, you play a spread offense or you have three or four receivers out there, you're going to suddenly score points. No, you still need to do stuff. You still need to be, be able to kind of motion, get matchups, et cetera. And you see that with the Kansas City Chiefs, one of the most talented teams in the NFL right now, especially the offensive side of the ball, and they can't score consistently. Why? Because Andy Reid and Eric Bianami got lazy this year. So that's, to me, I, I'm 100% with you. I, I, I'm, I'm just annoyed with this whole coaching thing in general. Um, as of the backup's winning, I think it goes back to number, one, you know, point number one right off the bat. It's they actually try to prepare and coach. And it's amazing what you can do when you try to keep teams off guard and you make a little add a little wrinkle here or there from week to week that you didn't have any before. And suddenly you can actually do things and you stick to what works versus just pulling stuff out your butt. I mean, that, that's what Green Bay did to me. They ran the ball because they could. So why not keep running it instead of getting cute? Um, I think that's what a lot of coaches are trying to do right now. They're trying to get their big name. I want to be this, you know, offensive genius. You don't get that from running the ball. You don't get that from, you know, doing the little things. Um, but they want. To, they they don't realize it actually does take those things. And even the great people like Sean McVay, we saw him two years ago struggle when he got lazy with the offense on the Rams and not motioning guys and not being able to protect their line. And what happened to that offense?
0: Yep. Yeah. It, it, it's And by that line of reasoning, uh, the Chiefs probably should bench Patrick Mahomes for one game so Andy Ree remembers how to coach again and then he can move forward after that. It's 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 insane. I promise you this is a fantasy football show. We'll get back to it. There's yeah, we we'll stop of, ranting.
1: This,
0: this is a lot of things we had to get off our chest this week. A lot of things came up all at once heading into week nine. We're only at the halfway point. That's the insane part of this. We, we were talking about the Jets, talking about Mike White. The only thing for a fan... Well, I should say the only two players from a fantasy standpoint that you really care about is Michael Carter... And Jamison Crowder. Somebody brought up Ty Johnson to me earlier. I'm like, look, if you're in 14, 16 team leagues, maybe we could talk about Ty Johnson if you want to in that setting. But otherwise, we keep their show mostly for 12 man leagues, somewhere around there. Michael Carter comes in my RB16 this week. I don't know how much success he's going to have on the ground against the Colts. We've been much better against the run. But what does Mike, what, what can we count on Mike White to do? Check the ball down. It's either Jamison, especially with no Corey Davis. Remember he's doubtful and he's definitely going to be listed as out. He hasn't practiced. He didn't play last week. I don't think he's going to play this week. It's going to be Jamison Crowder over the middle. And then it's going to be, Oh, I dig it down to Michael Carter or I dig it down to Ty Johnson. That is what's going to keep Michael Carter as a mid-level RB2 heading into this matchup is because the amount of targets, we only have a six quarter sample size, but during that six quarter sample size, Michael Carter has been the number one would have been the number one targeted receiver. Okay? That's how insane it has been. So that is what will keep him a must play for me against the Indianapolis Colts even though I doubt he gives you that much production on the ground.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know that I'm a Michael Carter fan and I love him, love him to death and I thought he was going to be you know productive this past week because I thought there would be check down city to him. That won't change. However, outside of, you know, full PPR leagues I'm not going to love Michael Carter this week because the Colts play a different defense than I did. They're not going to play man, so you're going to see a lot of easy zone. They're good. they're a pretty good tackling team. Michael Carter's not going to be able to feast out of the backfield like he has the past two weeks because a lot of the things they were seeing will be much different versus this Colts team. I still think he's an RB3 flex option for you, but I don't think I don't see him as an RB2 this week at all. Um, and I think that when it comes to the, who else you might want to look at, Crowder's a good point of view. He's, going to, he's one of the few guys who's consistently getting the ball in his offense, particularly at a receiver. My sleeper play for this week might be Elijah Moore. We saw him kind of resurrect a little bit. And one thing the Colts have struggled against this entire season is quicker receivers, particularly when they ask guys who can get over the top on you. So he's one of the guys maybe you can consider playing. But everybody else, yeah, I'm with you. There's no, I'm, you Ty Johnson, don't waste your time.
0: agree. Dan asking about OBJ. We're going to talk about him in a little bit because we are going to preview that game during this show. Uh, James Crowder comes in at wide receiver 33 for me. Again, it comes down to the volume. It's check down galore. It's check down city. He had nine targets last week. To your point about Michael Carter, I like James Crowder also in full point PPR standpoint more so than I would in a standard or even a half point, but he is wide receiver 33 for me in half point PPR is what I base my rankings off of. So he can be that that high-end four play that you plug and play this week. For his sake, you do like the match against the Colts because they haven't been very good against receivers in general, but especially slot-wide receivers. So I think Crowder actually is in a nice spot to have a decent plug-and-play, spot-start type of game for you.
2: Totally agree. Just need, Braxton Braggers needs to go away too, though.
0: Got a quick question here from uh, Josh. Would you trade Tyreek and Boston Scott for Joe Mixon and Jalen Waddle? He's 4-4 since Henry went down. What do you think, Chris?
2: I would say, I mean, I love the Mixon acquisition, but I would never give up Tyreek Hill. I think he's one of the top players. Jalen Waddle's been decent this year, but nothing special. So I would not make that deal.
0: I, would, I wouldn't either. Look, the one thing about Tyreek you saw, even with Mahomes struggling, with the Chiefs offense struggling, uh, apparently he's the one who's going to get all the targets all the time no matter what. Just the past couple of weeks alone, he's been targeted over double-digit times. That will continue. The thing that makes me a little bit nervous about Joe Mixon is that Samaja Perrine is killing his volume in the passing game. And while he's getting a lot of great volume in the rushing game and everything like that, because they are taking away what his ceiling could be as a true workhorse back, he's actually more of a low end RB1, high end RB2 than he is that solidified RB1 that he should be as a result of that. With Devontae Parker back, Jalen Wallace is still going to get his volume, but it's going to take away a little bit from Waddle, and Parker's going to be one who gets the bigger plays. So then his ceiling gets capped as a result of that. I'd rather have Tyreek Hill going down to the stretch in the playoffs than I would either a Joe Mixon or a Jalen Waddle. So if you're on the Tyreek Hill side, Josh, which I'm assuming you are the way you phrase that question, I would stay put. If you're on the other side of it, then go ahead and pull the trigger. Uh, that's all we had to talk about for the Jets, the Indianapolis Colts, Carson Wentz is a QB 14 for me, so he's in that streaming territory. Obviously, it's the New York Jets, but the reason why he's not inside my top 12, you probably guessed it, Jonathan Taylor, who is my number one running back on the week. I can't believe we got here, but we did. And with Derrick Henry out, it's a free-for-all as far as who those weekly top four running backs, frankly, are going to be. This week for me, number one, Jonathan Taylor, which is why I just... He might dominate this game to the point where Carson Wentz doesn't have to do too much, which is why he comes outside my top 12 by a hair. But he's still a nice streamer play if you're looking to go that direction too. And then Michael Pittman, who's getting, talk about another guy who's getting all the targets and getting better. You can see him developing each and every week out there. He's my wide receiver 10 this week. Where are you on the Colts players, Chris? Simpler communications.
2: Yeah, I absolutely love Jonathan Taylor. As you talked about, this defense isn't any good. They've been horrendous against the run this entire season. So there's no reason that shouldn't continue. The Carson Wentz and Pittman and you might be a little higher than I am on them. Um, I kind of tend to agree this is going to be more of a game where the Colts can dominate the line of scrimmage and be able to run the ball at will. I think they're going to struggle the Jets on, offensively. So I think the Colts defense is going to kind of hold them down. So they're not going to need to be super aggressive. And as a result, I wonder how productive, particularly Carson Wentz is going to be after his kind of debacle of being overly aggressive the lot, you know, last week and turning the ball over. I think they're going to try to play an efficient game, barring that they all of a sudden Mike White throws her 400 yards again. I really don't see either one of those guys being um, you know, Pittman in top 10 or Carson Wentz in top 15. But I think they are definitely you know, possible plays if you want to. I think Pittman's more of a flex option for me, maybe receiver two. Carson Wentz to me looks like a guy that you, have, you play if you have to play him, but I wouldn't prefer to.
0: Josh, we're going to talk about the Ravens in uh, just a little while later on the show. So keep stay tuned to that along with the Titans as well. Uh, Yeah. And the other thing, too, guys, by the way, uh, Indianapolis Colts defense, my number two defense on the week. Go ahead. Pick them up. Play them if you have the opportunity to do so on that, too. All right. Let's get off the Thursday night game because it's not going to be a lot of action in that game. And I don't have a lot of action in that game, so I don't personally care as much about it either. The one thing I will say, though, is I will be putting some action on it. Uh, It's Right now it's minus 10.5 in favor of the Indianapolis Colts, the over-under set at 46. Remember when I said Mike White is not going to be able to do it twice in a row? He ain't doing it twice in a row. The Jets do not cover Indianapolis Colts, minus 10.5. Call it one of my lock bets of the week. You, Chris, what do you think?
2: That's big guts on me. After this past week, I, I I don't know how to pick any of these favorites right now. I have I'm a little gun shy over here. <laughs> the Colts,
0: if Carson Wentz and the offensive line were not playing better, I'd agree with you. Because they are, I have the utmost confidence that the Colts take care of business there on Thursday Night Football. Let's get into Sunday, though. Let's talk about Cleveland. We'll kick it off, of course, with the OBJ news. First of all, Free I'm about to go the, I, about to go the rain here because exactly the point. Look. <laughs> He shows up to practice, they tell him, go home. We don't want you here. And they're t- we're talking about his representatives. Apparently, Stefanski told the team we, you're, he's not really part of the team. At least that's not how we're viewing it. Then why, on God's green earth, didn't you trade him for the Saints yesterday? Why did you tell him no? Why did you tell them no? If you want to tell me it's the whole LeBron coming out for him and his dad video thing coming out, that came out before the trade deadline, guys. So that was really your problem and you were going to make him not practice and essentially tell the team that he's not part of the team now, as a result of that, you're an idiot. Now, you are the Cleveland Browns organization. You've always been you know, a bottom-run organization to begin with, so maybe that's not saying much. I don't know. It seemed like they had turned a corner in the past couple of years, so we're starting to give them some credit, some hope. But this whole handling of this situation is beyond stupid, and it's on the Cleveland Browns. It's not on OBJ. Why is it not on OBJ? Because he himself has not said one thing, one word, one peep, been a distraction at all since he's been in Cleveland. This is on Cleveland. You have not been able to utilize him. The guy you've named a franchise quarterback cannot hit him. And because his father and a friend of his comes out on his behalf to, you know, Free him. That's not his problem. I don't care if he did tell them to do it or it doesn't matter. It didn't come from him. You don't tell him to go home and you trade him to the Saints and tell him, no, it's not that we you didn't have a better a good enough asking price. No, you trade him away because now what are you stuck with the possibility of cutting him or sitting on him because you don't want anybody else to have him. Those are your two options now. It's ridiculous. Chris, what's your reaction?
2: I'm a 100 percent agreement. First of all, put your big boy pants on if you're going to be upset that his dad's called you out and the LeBron James called you out. I mean, we've been – been, people for the last two years have been screaming bloody murder about this situation. So, put, you know, like I said, put your big boy pants on. As for OBJ himself, to your point, this guy could have shut it down easily. He's got a best-up shoulder. He's to, He knows he's probably going to get cut at the end of the season. There's no reason if he didn't care to even want to play to be out here the last two or three weeks. He is trying to give his effort. What I blame is ultimately on is the coaching staff. Week in, week out, we heard about how we're going to try to have to get him more involved, but he's he's doing what we ask him to do by taking away guys and taking away this, take away that, and you're going to hear Dan and I beat a drum. We beat a drum for a long time now about this, is when you have a good number one receiver, or even if you consider guy number two, one of the key things you have to do is get them involved, particularly early. Stop being lazy, coach. And I'm tired of hearing about scheme or it doesn't fit what we're doing or trying to do. I'm sorry, you can feature OBJ more than two times in a game. I don't care if you short arm the one target or not. I don't care if Baker Mayfield and him are on the same page or not. You can actually funnel plays to go to players, miraculously, because that's called coaching. Um, if you want to watch it happen, watch how Cooper Cup's doing in the Rams right now because how they make sure he gets open and they feature and funnel him in the ball. So when it comes to OBJ, I am so hopeful he gets freed and gets out of there because I am not a Spansky fan overall, particularly when it comes to the passing game. And I, I have defended Baker in the past, but this guy is not looking for him, obviously, or is this not part of the play calling for some retarded reason. And this is, I'm, I'm done with it. I think he should have been traded. And to your point, I'm so tired of hearing about these teams. They didn't give us our asking price. When you can get something versus nothing, something's better than nothing. Don't try to act like it's going to affect the future, what you trade for. It's not, guys. Get over it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And from what I've, I've been hearing, it's the fact that, the Saints needed and wanted Cleveland to pay his contract. And of that's course. why ultimately Cleveland said no. Hey, Newsflash for you, you're going to pay his contract either way, whether you yep. cut him or don't, because he still has a lot of guaranteed money left. So it didn't make any sense whatsoever. And to piggyback See, off see coach, Von
2: Miller. The Denver Broncos are paying right. Von Miller's contract because they got draft compensation in return. That's why they did it. So realize you could have got something versus nothing, as you're pointing out.
0: Right, exactly. And to piggyback off your, it's a coaching problem. I also say this is a Baker Mayfield problem because Case Keenum looked more in sync in one game. It wasn't a gaudy stat line, but he actually looked like he could hit OBJ when he came open and actually spread the ball out to the wide receivers more in that game than Baker Mayfield has at any point this season, especially for a guy who's trying to play for his career right now. It's ridiculous. As far as the fantasy implications of this game, Nick Chubb's my RB9. As he would be an RB ten, he's going to probably be an RB ten the rest of the year. I do think he has a better game than he did last week. I know Cincinnati's still pretty stingy against the run, but for Nick Chubb, he was his first game back coming off that calf injury. It's natural to be a little bit hesitant on it, and that's what I saw him running in the game film. I saw him being a little bit hesitant, especially for a Nick Chubb. I don't think that happens the second week in a the round. They got that first game under his belt. I expect a top ten performance out of him. Dearness Johnson is an RB thirty two. And I described this before on the show, and I'll say it again here. Nick Chubb kind of, without Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb has a, like, Nick Chubb role plus, while Ernest Johnson has a Kareem Hunt light role. That's kind of what's happening here. So as a result, he does come in as a flex play consideration, but I'd rather find other options if you can. And then just to top it off, as far as Cleveland Brown fantasy relevancy goes, Jarvis Landry, my wide receiver 34 He's always that guy who's hovering around half point PPR leagues around that wide receiver three territory when he has targets getting consolidated his way, which it doesn't sound like OBJ is going to play this week. We would expect that to happen this week as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, it doesn't change Landry's outlook at all, whether OBJ plays or not, because as you pointed out, they're not going to OBJ. So I don't think there's going to be extra targets all of a sudden for Landry. But I do think he's always been a base, recently a receiver three. He'll be catches a, form, a, full, a few more balls this week versus drops like he had this past week. Um, but I think he's a solid play flex option. And I think that you're right about the, you know, the cream hunt light role for Derek Johnson. I wouldn't roll him out there. I think that's a little too gutsy. I know that, you know, Cincinnati looked horrible versus the Jets last week. And you're going to think maybe you can repeat that. Cincinnati has not been that poor. Most of this season have been pretty good. And it was more a letdown game than actually what they are. I think that you can definitely pick Nick Chubb with confidence, but I'm not as excited about Darius Johnson.
0: And sorry, Josh, I completely disagree with you. Watch the film. OBJ is not an average wide receiver. He's still getting open at a very high clip. Even if he's outcome. an
2: average guy. Uh, so is most of the receiving core on the, on the Cleveland Browns. And they're still getting targets more so than he was.
0: Yeah, I agree with that too. Moving to Cincinnati side of things. Joe Burrow, even though this is not a great matchup on paper, Burrow has found a way to throw three touchdowns in pretty much every single game so far this season. So he does come in at QB 10 for me here this week in this spot. So you can play him. Joe Mixon, we talked about him a little bit as far as the trade. I said he's a low in RB1, high in RB2. I have him at RB11 this week. He still has, I believe, most of the second most carries on the season for any running back. The question becomes how much does he get involved in the passing game any given week? If it's a week they want to use Samaja Perrine. I was happy to see last week when he had that stupid beat writer minutes before the game try to say, oh, it's going to be a split between Samaja Perrine and Joe Mixon today. Well, Perine wasn't anywhere to be found in that ball game. We'll see if that winds up being true here, but you keep playing Joe Mixon with confidence as a volume guy. And then you go to the cut to the wide receivers. Jamar Chase Top five receivers, the top five receiver, no matter who he plays against every single week with the performances he's been able to put together. Yes, Denzel Ward was able to practice today. I don't care. You're dealing with somewhat of a hamstring issue with the explosive Jamar Chase. I ain't worried about it. And T. Higgins comes in at wide receiver 24 for me. I'm going to say this last thing about Tyler Boyd, and I'll kick it to you, Chris. He's wide receiver 49. It seems like the fantasy industry has this loyalty to Tyler Boyd because he's been this good consistent wide receiver for so many years which he has been good for him he's not in that situation anymore yes he scored last week but how many times does he actually score touchdowns hardly ever does he ever get the big plays not with jamar chase and t higgins in there does he get the volume which is what the key to his fantasy value always was in the past to begin with not anymore there's too many guys to feed for him to consistently get that he has he is somebody who has to get eight to ten targets a game to be fantasy relevant He's lucky if he gets plus seven, it's usually around four or five. So Tyler Boyd is somebody that I don't want to play. And I've, I already hit the dump button on him a couple of weeks ago. Nothing about that has changed. If you need to make a waiver move, Tyler Boyd, I have no problem, no matter what scoring format it is to go ahead and let him go. All right, Chris, what's your take on the Cincinnati Bengals this week?
2: Yeah, I 100% agree with almost all your takes. I think Joe Mixon's a, a definite good play. Uh, we see Cleveland's defense hasn't been good against the run. They lost some of some of our linebackers over the, past, over the past last few weeks and aren't really as healthy there. So, I, And as for the outside and receivers, I, I think they're absolutely right. Jamar Chase is due for a bounce back. He kind of struggled versus the Jets. He'll absolutely kind of bounce back, I think, versus secondary, whether Denzel Ward's out there or not. Let's not forget, Denzel Ward wasn't lighting up the world in the fire when he, before he got injured. It wasn't like he's been a shutdown corner this year. Um, and on the flip side, I think T. Higgins continues to be a guy who can be heavily involved in this offense. He has since he's returned off the IR. I think that's going to continue to be the case. And as a result, I 100% agree with you that Tyler Boyd is the guy who kind of gets forgotten about in this offense. Yes, he had great seasons where he was very solid, where he gets you six, seven catches week in, week out. However, if you look back both of those seasons, they didn't have good receivers or guys who are not healthy during those time frames. So I think this is a time that you see there's, there's better talent. T Higgins and Jamar Chase has been around him for a long time and he doesn't sit really high on that food chain when it comes down to it and boils down to it overall. So I think this over. This guy's going to be bouncing back and have a really good season. I mean, really good week.
0: Uh, Dan, to get to your question, since you said you got to get off soon, he asked, you know, what's your opinion on Devontae Parker this week? And also, would you play Kittle over Gasecki? First of all, yes, I would play George Kittle over Gasecki this week. And the reason being is because he loses his target share with Devontae Parker being back on the field, who I do have as a top 20 receiver. So that's the quick answer for that. We're going to talk about more about that matchup when we cut back from the break in a little while. Uh, as far as betting this game goes, between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns. This Ohio matchup. The Bengals right now at home favored minus two and a half, over-under set at 47. If I was going to bet anything, I'd probably bet the under in this game.
1: It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Mickey Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Mickey Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at
0: MickeyCouture.com. Are you an experienced healthcare professional ready for a change? UNM Hospital is hiring. Visit us at unmhjobs.com and explore a multitude of career opportunities at UNM Hospital. At our teaching hospital and level one trauma facility, you will deliver more to our community at UNM Hospital. Visit unmhjobs.com to learn more. University of New Mexico Hospital is an equal opportunity employer. But I'm going to stick with Cincinnati Bengals. I think they have. A, I think the reason they lost to the Jets is because they were caught looking ahead to this matchup against the Cleveland Browns. And I truly believe right now, with all the injuries Cleveland's been dealing with and this whole fiasco this week, I think the Cincinnati Bengals are the better team right now. And I'm going to take them with the outright win. I'm not going to bet the line. I'm going to take them on the outright win.
2: Yeah, I agree with that bet. I think Cincinnati... Basically, overlooked the Jets last week, so don't take too much into what happened there. They are the better team. And Cleveland, I don't think this is going to be a galvanizing move what they're doing to OBJ. I want to kind of tear this team apart in some aspects and they put out a dud out there. So I'm with you. I go to the Bengals this week.
0: Let's move into the Denver Broncos versus the Dallas Cowboys. Nothing really changed with the running backs Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams. They hover in that low end RB2, high end RB3 territory. They just keep cutting into each other. It's 50% down the middle, constantly 24 seven. I'd like to tell you that Javante Williams will get his opportunity, but no matter how much more efficient he is with his touches, Melvin Gordon still on a consistent basis gets a few more than he does. His coaching staff is not willing to turn it over. So uh, barring an injury, I think you're just going to see this 50 50 split throughout the rest of the season.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the key word is barring injury. I think it's, around Melvin Gordon's time that usually he starts getting banged up around this time frame. So I do think that if you're holding on for the Javante Williams breakout game, you're just waiting for Melvin Gordon to finally get injured, which is probably going to inevitably happen. Wouldn't be surprised if it happened sooner than later. And it, if you want to see the opportunity for a also a bigger game over Melvin Gordon, I think the cold weather is going to be a big change. I was talking about this yesterday's show. You know, Prepare for some of these backs that are harder to tackle. They're going to be able to kind of be the guys who can carry you to the playoffs. Because quite often teams are kind of, you know, guys are getting more slowed down or more tired. And you're going to see those physical backs, particularly guys who can make break tackles, a la Javante Williams, be very successful. So I think his day is still coming, but as of this week, that's 50 50 plus not going anywhere as long as them both are healthy and it's nice outside.
0: And I think you can still you can still play them both as needed. Cortland's Jerry Judy's back in the mix, of course. So you have him, you have Cortland Sutton. Now, Judy didn't play his full workload of snaps last week. We expect that, of course, to continue to grow as he gets back into NFL shape. This week against Dallas with a, a playable but banged up Trey Diggs and a secondary has been a little bit more susceptible as of late, although the run defense has gotten better. Cortland Sutton, I have him at wide receiver 23. I do have Judy as a wide receiver 27, so I higher end wide receiver 3 who can get into your lineups this week. Tim Patrick, I'm not going to play him because I do think Judy will begin to cut into the Patrick workload, but I have them both as as pretty decent plays in your lineup this particular week.
2: Yeah. And I heard we're going to talk about it, but there's no, no offense this week as well. So it's going to help some consolidate some of those targets to this two you guys. And don't get it twisted fantasy guys. i hear this not notion that, you know, when Judy comes back, Courtland Sutton is done or vice versa. These guys both can eat. Teddy Bridgewater fed two receivers last year. Don't forget that he's not Sam Darnold. We can only feed one guy. So I think there is opportunity for both these guys to eat, particularly this week versus Dallas. Don't get the mirage what Dallas did against Jefferson and kind of the Vikings. The Vikings offense played like ass. So I would have no, uh, no trepidation of playing both receivers and having them out there this week.
0: Yeah, he can he can feed you guys to your point. We are going to talk about Noah testing positive for COVID. He's going to be out, which is why Albert O comes in at tight end 13 for me. He is a top-end streaming option at the tight end position. He got three targets. He was already eating into Noah Fant. His first game back off an of injury, he missed a month comes back in and gets worked right into the rotation. Now you take Noah Fant out of the way, consolidate that tight end position. I think you got yourself a deep sleep. Well, not even a deep sleeper. I have him a tight end 13. So a sleeper streaming option for you at the tight end position.
2: Yeah, I absolutely think he's a possible streaming option. Upper O is a very talented player. He's got a lot of physical skills. He's very fast. He's very big and strong. So he can be a potential mismatched nightmare. Um, having said that, I don't think he's going to get the volume you're quite you can bank on. But as an elite tight end, he absolutely has a chance to score a, t- a touchdown. So once you get outside this top ten, it's kind of a you know flip a, flip your coin. I think he's just as good to take a shot on as anybody else.
0: Yeah, I think he's in a same a similar role to what the Minnesota Vikings Tyler Conklin was last week. And what you have to remind yourself is the Dallas Cowboys always give up points to the tight end position. They're absolutely horrendous when it comes to covering that spot, even as good as their linebackers are, it does not matter. And that's why I like Albert O so much heading into this particular week. And I think he will get five plus targets in this matchup and have a good chance to score. We flip things over to the Dallas side of the ball. The good news so far seems to be that everyone unanimously is in agreement that Dak Prescott is going to practice in a full capacity on thursday he was limited today did some work they didn't have a full practice today though so it's hard to go off of that but if he plays he is my qb7 on the week i would not hesitate for a second playing him because remember denver's defense he used to be good on paper they're losing guys left and right in the secondary right now the passing attack is going to be there they might be okay against the run but they lose von miller they lose their nickel corner You have some opportunities here to take advantage of. Uh, Other injury news for the Dallas Cowboys, Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb were both limited today. Amari Cooper listed with the hamstring. CeeDee Lamb was an ankle, which that is a new thing, but there doesn't seem to be much concern over that. Both of them must plays for me. Both of them wide receiver two. CeeDee Lamb coming in at wide receiver 13. Amari Cooper coming in at wide receiver 17. And of course, Zeke. My RB seven, he may even move up higher than that. We'll see, but he's a top 10 running back every single week with the way he's been playing, no matter what the matchup is. Anything on those players, Chris?
2: Yeah, I totally agree. Don't worry. ever worried about Wednesday practice reports. Wednesday is like the new off day, especially if you're a veteran. So don't worry about when those guys are kind of getting rested. CJ, you know, C.D. Land doesn't have a bad ankle, probably. He had ankle surgery. It's been a historical thing he's always had to kind of deal with. It's probably just a resting, quote-unquote, day. Mark Cooper's been basically limited in practice since week one. So I wouldn't worry about either of those guys being out there on Sunday and being productive. And to your point the Denver, I think the defense has no pass rush. It hasn't really shown any pass rush with Von Miller. It's going to take an even further step down. Um, Dallas should be able to move the ball at will versus this team. Dak Prescott, even if they don't have – uh, Smith is a tackle this week, and he maybe he's out. It doesn't really going to matter. They're going to be able to be able to dominate this offensive line, mean, this defensive line with their offensive line, and I think Dallas is in for a big day for both the receivers and Zeke.
0: Oh, and by the way, I do have Dalton Schultz as a tight end eleven, so he is still a back end tight end one potential play too. Uh, the, the only thing that would throw a curveball into some of the target consolidation here would be if Michael Gallup is manages to come back and play this week. I'm from what I'm hearing. I'm not they, there seems to be kind of 50 50 right now as far as that actually happening. If he comes back, and I've said this before, and this is why Dalton Schultz has been a trade, a sell high candidate for me. When he comes back, Dalton Schultz is the victim in all that when it comes to the target share consolidation. It's, it's not going to be Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb losing too many targets. I might lose a few, but not too many. It's going to mostly come from Dalton Schultz losing out in that aspect of it. But again, we got to wait and see if he's even going to be able to come back to practice, they're hopeful for it, but he still has not been activated off the IR as of yet. We'll watch and keep you updated on social media at belly up MDFF show. Chris, the line right now on this is minus 10 in favor of the Dallas Cowboys at home. The Cowboys are undefeated this season against the line. And I think they keep it going against an inferior Denver Bronco team. Give me the Dallas minus uh, minus 10 here.
2: Yeah, um, I think it's a good bet. It's just I don't have my, my heart does tells me no for some reason. I think Dallas, while they have covered this entire season and have been good, I, I they just I feel like they're gonna kinda put a little bit of a dud out there. I think they're gonna be able to kinda battle this game back and, and I think it's gonna be a little bit close to what people expect it to be. Um, although I talked to all the junk on Denver's team, I do think that their offensively has some fight left. Uh, I think they're gonna try to continue to try to be you know, Dallas isn't any shutting down anybody and I think they played a little bit over their head versus the Vikings. So I wouldn't be surprised if this game actually one's up being in single digits.
0: They played over their head against the Vikings, but that was without Dak Prescott. I think they come out and have Dak Prescott back and go big in a big way offensively. What I want to do now Can though, I take quick, yeah. what I want to do now though is want to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we have more games to preview. Keep your comments coming in. We'll keep this thing going. And stay tuned to the MD's fantasy football show, because we'll be back right after this. One of the best sponsors of the show is named Symbol. That's S I M B U L L. Symbol, where Wall Street meets sports gambling in this innovative app. The Symbol brings the fun of being able to play for the long term by purchasing, selling, and trading stocks of your teams. When your teams win, you win a payout. Well, when they lose, you don't lose. Money, the value of your team's share is all that matters and it's easy to use. Just download the Symbol app on your Play Store and use the promo code MDSFANTASY for a $10 deposit of at least $10 or more. Join the fun of investing in your team for the long haul where the Sportsbook Edge is put back into your hands as the player. For the latest and most fun in sports gambling, download Symbol and again use the promo code MDSFANTASY Fantasy for your $10 deposit bonus today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back to the program, MD Nation. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at MDFF Show, and of course, We're always live on YouTube. Subscribe to the MD's famous football show channel when you get the opportunity to do so. Check us out after the show if you ever miss it or any other episode on your favorite pod streaming app, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, anywhere. And we'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow twice. Once from 6 to 7.30 on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingesn.airtime.pro. And then another time live at 8.30 We'll be talking about the Thursday night game cast. We'll be back to doing that. And, of course, the late slate of week nine matchup previews where that's just me. And, of course, again, we'll be back on Friday with the MDs DFS contest with Mr. Chaz Fulardi. And Chris will come back for that, too, with our DraftKings lineups. So much, so many goodies from the MDs fantasy football show. I do promise, though, hopefully we'll be a little bit more on with the rankings. I was a little off this week, but so was everybody else. So I don't feel too bad about it. Uh, <laughs> let's keep this thing going, man. Let's go and talk about the Houston Texans and Miami Dolphins in this game. We're still trying to figure out about Tyrod Taylor, if he's going to be able to play or not. He's out there practicing as a fellow Brandon cooks owner. And the only thing that's relevant about this team to begin with from a fantasy football perspective, fingers and toes crossed that he's able to go. Cause then all of a sudden the volume actually comes with a competent NFL quarterback, throwing him the football sky's the limit with, the target share that he has. And they said, we want to build the entire offense around you, Brandon cooks is why we don't want to trade you. Well, I don't know if that's actually true for the future, but for this season it is. And I expect that to continue and be good. If Tire Taylor can get back in there. The problem is they keep having to deal with Davis mills. And here's what I'm worried about. If Davis mills is the starter again, I saw something out of the dolphins secondary last week. Not only did they get healthy, but they looked more like what you would expect from this Dolphins defense. And I do worry a little bit. If Davis Mills is the quarterback, what can this Houston offense, including Brandon cooks really be able to do? So I hope for his sake, I have at wide receiver 21 Tyrod Taylor's in there.
2: First of all, do you think that is Tyrod Taylor can't go, or they don't? Not sure if they want to play Tyrod Taylor because they're trying to tank. Because that's what it seems like to me. They're trying to decide: do we just want to throw in a towel completely and see what we have in Mills, or we actually want to pretend like we're going to play Tyrod Taylor? Because I didn't hear that he had any setbacks or anything like that. I just hear they're kind of trying to debate what healthy looks like to them versus what they want. You know, whether they want to play him or not. Uh,
0: because if they hadn't designated him for return from IR. I would agree with you. But because they did that and they opened up the twenty day, 21-day window last week and the consistent narrative, whether it's been coach, GM, or owner, has been Tyrod Taylor will play when he's ready to go. So if it doesn't happen this week, it will certainly happen next week. Because the one thing I do think is clear is that they do not feel like they can activate him and not start him over Davis Mills. So if it's not this week, I think it will be next week. It will be at some point this season to your point, but I do believe it's, they're making sure he is 100% good to go.
2: Well, that makes one of us. Cause I, I think there's something fishy going on there, but I'm <laughs> with you other than Brandon cooks. There's nobody else to even consider putting in your lineup, whether it's Tyrod Taylor, whether it's going to be mills, they, you know, you still got to play Brandon cooks regardless because he is the offense and he gives you the best chance that you can pretty much have, you know, there's not a lot of the receivers that you can kind of bank on being the featured part of their offense. So I think you had to bring Brandon Cooks out there, no matter what. Everybody else, to me, is untouchable, especially that backfield. Oh my god!
0: Yeah, I was just gonna make a quick comment about that because we all thought, like, okay, well, maybe Philip Lindsay will take over the Mark Ingram role. You know, he's young, he's explosive, he's had success. No, 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 no. We're gonna bring in Scotty Phillips, and we're gonna let Rex Burkhead touch the ball. And yeah, look, that's why the Houston Texans are a mess, and we don't have to spend any more time talking about them. Let's talk about the Dolphins, though. Because I'm excited about quite a few pieces on the Dolphin side, as you would be against the Houston Texans. Now, first and foremost, Tua Tagliavoa comes in at QB 12 for me this week. So he's that very back-end, low-end QB one, but one of my top streamer options of the week. When you play the Houston Texans and you, you get excited about your quarterback when you're playing against them, but there's always that thought in the back of your head as far as what the floor could be. Well, what if... Running game and the team just dominate, and we only get one half of passing. Well, guess what? You don't have to worry about that with the Miami Dolphins because they don't know what running the football means to begin with, no matter who the opponent is. So that's where I like the volume to continue for Tua Tagovailoa, the number one volume passing offense in the NFL. And that's why I love his stat line with Devontae Parker back and he having Jalen Waddle and Mike Kosicki's there too. He has all the weapons he needs with a nice matchup to really have a strong. QB one performance in this game.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think two is a, a definitely good play. Um, I think that he's going to be a guy that you can consistently bet on for the rest of the season for the most part because you talk about that volume you're going to have, particularly against the Houston, Texans type of team. I don't care what the game flow is going to be. To your point, Miami's not going to go out there and run the ball 50 times in the game, so you don't worry about that. And, you know, this Houston team off defense is highly exploitable. I think that all those guys can kind of eat in a sense. Where I think Devontae Parker is a good play. I love Mike Geseki this week because anybody gets any tight end that plays versus Houston is almost guaranteed to score a touchdown or not have a big, not have some pretty good game. So I love Mike Geseki as well. And this whole notion of when you know two and him can't be on the same page—that's blown out the window. This entire season, two has looked for this guy even more than Jacoby Brissett has actually. Look at the numbers. So I like him, and I think that Jalen Wilder is a decent play as well. So I like all three of those guys as an option.
0: Yeah, I had Devontae Parker, wide receiver 19, Waddle 20. The only reason I have Parker one spot ahead of Waddle is just because he's going to get more of that big play action, which I think has a chance to hit against Houston. And I do have Mike Gesicki at tight end eight. The only thing I will say is that we still have not seen Mike Gesicki get a large share when two or more receivers of the Dolphins are actually healthy. In this case, Parker and Jalen Waddle. So it's the only downside. Because it's Houston and because of the volume, I expect everybody to get an opportunity to eat. Including Miles Gaskin, who I have ranked the highest. I've had him ranked all season long. I have him at RB eighteen heading into this matchup. Now the Dolphins are still being weird with the running back usage, but the one thing that is clear they at least recognize that without Malcolm Brown, the only pass catching running back they have available to them is Miles Gaskin. So as long as that continues to be the case, I feel confident Miles Gaskin being a RB two and in this matchup, a mid-level tier RB two.
2: Yeah, I'm I think that's definitely the case in PPR full point PPR leagues. I don't love Miles Gaskin outside of that. I think he's an okay play, possibly a flex option. I don't believe in this running game, and I don't think that matters who they play against. I just think it matters more what they're actually going to call in the game. So I think Miles Gaskin can be involved in the passing game a decent amount. I just don't see them running the ball consistently enough, and you're hoping to get some touchdowns, but I don't know if that's going to happen either. So I think he's more of a flex option to me.
0: A quick note, news-wise, Brian Flores did say he does still expect Will Fuller to return at some point this season. I don't know if this guy is really something worth stashing. Maybe if you have an IR spot and it's not being used, you just want to speculative stash him, fine. Otherwise, though, fantasy-wise, we're still not looking at Will Fuller, but does expect to come back at some point if you're looking towards the future. This game is going to be a lock bet of the week of mine, especially if Tyrod doesn't play. But that's why I'm going to hop on it now before I even know the news, because even if Tyrod does play, I think Miami will cover. It's minus six and a half in Miami. Now, I know they've been disappointing, especially against the line. And you can look to the Jacksonville game and say, well, they played a crappy team there too. Look, Jacksonville has even less talent than the Houston Texans do, especially offensively. I expect Miami, who I thought defensively looked healthier and played better to cover this line at minus six and a half at home.
2: Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think this is a good. I definitely better on this game. I think the Dolphins are the, clearly the favorite. I agree with you. I saw something out of Buffalo, and I also, you know, we'll say I think they kind of gave their like their biggest fight they they should this entire season. Maybe it's because they're trying to go out with a bang. But regardless, I think they can just kind of show up and still win this game versus Houston. Houston's lack of offensive playmaking is ridiculously. Low at this time. So I think even if, you know, Dolphins don't play up to their potential, they can still win this game by over seven points.
0: Next matchup, we have to talk about the Atlanta Falcons, New Orleans Saints. More of the crazy news aspect of today when you look at the New Orleans Saints. And what a gut punch to them. And then we find out today why they were in on the OBJ trade to begin with. So you lose Jameis Winston for the year, who I thought had. You know, they hadn't unleashed him or anything like that, but I thought I'd been playing pretty well. And now you find out, oh, Michael Thomas has a setback in his recovery. is not going to play at all this season. I was a little bit curious to see if, like, if this was anything going on behind the scenes because we know Michael Thomas and Saints haven't always been on the same page, but at least publicly, everybody said the right things. Thomas said he was working hard to get back. He was sorry he couldn't make it back. Sean Payton saying that he was working very hard in rehab and a separate ankle issue arose during the rehab that he's also going to need surgery for it now. So Michael Thomas done for the 2021 season. Unfortunate for those who had drafted him and stashed him in hopes that they could have a second half potential wide receiver one. That's not going to be the case. And now we have James Winston now for the rest of the year. So now what do we turn to? Oh, we get the return of Taysom Hill. So Taysom Hill right away off the bat for me comes out of QB eight. The reason he's that high is because I don't care he's coming off the concussion injury. There's one thing Taysom Hill does well, and that's run. And he's not going to stop running because he's coming off of a concussion. And then you also like the match against the Atlanta Falcons. i never hurt anybody either right now. So, Chris, what's your reaction to me having Taysom Hill as a top eight QB this week?
2: Yeah, I think as long as he plays, that's a possibility. I mean, as you talked about the cheat code in fantasy football, having a running quarterback, we've seen Jalen Hurts live off that this entire season. And I don't there's think there's, no there's a reason... difference
0: between him and Jalen Hurts, by
2: the way. Uh, yeah, I tend to agree. So I think that there's an opportunity as long as he's not—he is a starter and doesn't want to be in Trevor Simeon. I think he can be definitely finished in the top ten. I think he's got the legs to be able to kind of have a solid floor, as you pointed out, playing against Atlanta is no—you know—makes it a lot easier. Sam Donald ran for 56 yards last week as well. So I mean, if Sam Donald can run 56 yards, why can't Taysom Hill have a decent game?
0: Yeah, one hundred. <laughs> he didn't do much else outside of that either. Uh, but yeah, Taysom Hill, look. That four-game stretch, he finished as a top-12 quarterback all four games. Three of those four games, he finished inside the top ten. And he, Michael Thomas was banged up for those games, too. It wasn't like he was making a big display throwing the football. It was his rushing ability that kept him up there. That's why he was, one of, he was my top quarterback pickup of the week in the waiver Wire show. He makes my top eight this week. And then Alva Kamara is my number two. Now, I, I know everyone's question is, okay, well, do we go back to what we saw last year where Kamara suddenly wasn't involved in the passing game? Well, guess what? Even if you do, Kamara's already proven this season. He's still a top five running back. And I think getting Mark Ingram is as stupid as it is in a, in a logical world because it's not logical at all. But I think getting Mark Ingram, for some reason, has allowed Sean Payton to feel like he can start throwing the ball more to Alvin Kamara. We saw it a little bit before the bye week. We saw it in a big way this past week. I think he also recognizes that he has to get Alvin Kamara in the passing game because they have no other passing game either as a result of this. So I don't believe Taysom Hill will negatively affect him too much in that category. Do I think he has the potential to get 10-plus targets a game like he was trending towards? No, probably not. But do I think it stays somewhere between 6 and 8? Yeah, I think consistently stays somewhere between 6 and 8, and that's really all you need with a Kamara who's rushing the ball more than he ever has in his entire career.
2: Yeah, I hundred percent agree. I mean, this it is as logical as it does seem. That they didn't really need Mark Ingram. He doesn't really bring a whole lot to the table. But what he does do is make Sean Payton remember that he can move Alvin Kamara around and get mismatches with this guy. That he can utilize him in option routes. So I think Alvin Kamara will continue to be successful. I think Taysom Hill might check the ball down quite as much. But I think you're going to see a lot. As I talked about, you know, scheming guys open and scheming guys the ball. That you're going to see Alvin Kamara get schemed the ball one way or another. And I think that's going to be the difference this year versus past years where it's basically them trying to just get through with a couple of weeks. This is the rest of the season, possibly the playoffs. So they're going to have to have Alvin Kamara be a big part of their offense. And it can't be just Haston Hill all the time. So I think it is going to be Alvin Kamara consistently going to be a top five court running back in my book for the rest of the year.
0: I wasn't very interested in the state's wide receivers before this. I'm certainly not that interested in them now. The only thing I will say is I'll be looking Sunday to see which receivers actually Taysom Hill's favorite, and maybe we'll go from there. But as far as this week goes, I don't really want to touch a state receiver if I can at all help it. On the Falcons' side of the ball, I love Cordell Patterson. I hate Mike Davis. And unless you're completely desperate, there's no way Mike Davis against the Saints is getting in my lineup. Because what is Mike Davis' only good attribute fantasy-wise? It's the volume. He's been inefficient against everybody. He's especially going to be inefficient against the Saints team that doesn't allow you to run the football, especially a type of running back like a Mike Davis is. So Cordell Patterson is my RB 13. Now, the reason why I still have him so high, even in a tough matchup, is because he's going to have to get leaned on heavily in the passing game because we have no idea when Calvin Ridley is going to come back. I thought it was funny that people were even asking him, asking Arthur Smith, that is, about Calvin Ridley's availability this week. He just put out that big post on social media. Do you really think he was going to come back within a week? He just wanted to miss that. Come on, give me a break. Now, what do you do with Calvin Ridley as if you're a fantasy owner? My advice is this you hold on to him for at least a couple of weeks if you can, because this is still, he's not necessarily out for the rest of the season. We don't know exactly what kind of treatment, what help he needs. You hold on to him for at least a couple of weeks as we try to get more details as far as what his situation is and what's going on with him. Is there a possibility he misses the rest of the year? Yeah, that's definitely in the cards. But you don't get rid of him right away. Where are you at on Calvin Ridley and the rest of the Atlanta Falcons this week against the Saints?
2: Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I, I would do it even maybe a little longer than a couple of weeks. People waited nine weeks for Michael Thomas not to come back. So you can wait a few weeks to see if Calvin Ridley's going to return or not. He's not injured he has some situation going on off, you know, off the field. You don't really know it's going to change, but rarely are you going to be able to find a guy out on waivers that can replace the potential way he can bring to your team. So unless you're super desperate, there's no reason to move on from Calvin Ridley. As for the rest of the Atlanta team, as you talked about, I think Cordell Patterson is the only play. Uh, maybe Kyle Pitts and Kyle Pitts is probably the two of the guys you're going to be able to play most of the season for the most part. Um, I was laughing to myself as you're talking about Mike Davis, though, versus the Saints. The way the season's gone, he's probably going to go out there and score three touchdowns this week. But... Um, <laughs> Because it doesn't make any sense for him to do that, but it's probably what will happen. But yeah, it's I, no, logically wise,
0: it's no sense seasons, no sense seasons. It really
2: seems that way. It really <laughs> does. Um, but logic wise, yeah, Cordell Batterson is the only guy you can really trust. He is their running game. He is their passing game. Basically, with Ridley not there, he's probably their number one receiver. People talk about Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is going to be some teams are actually going to key on taking away even more as you saw. The Carolina Panthers focus yeah. on doing so. So I, I wonder if he doesn't struggle, particularly against a Saints team that can put a lot of more on him. I like Stephen Goldmore, followed him around last week. So I think it's going to be a, a, a game where you're going to basically bank on Cordell Patterson and maybe Kyle Pitts if you have a tight end starting league. Other than that, I hate his Atlanta offense.
0: Yeah, agreed. I didn't mention Kyle Pitts, but he is my he's a number five tight end for me on the week. Even though I'm a little bit worried about defenses keying in on him to take him away, the volume is still going to be as such, which will keep him very valuable, especially as a tight end. He'll be in my top five probably every single week, regardless of the matchup. As far as betting this game, it's going to be a no contest for me. It's minus six in favor of the Saints at home, over under set at 42. There's just a lot of moving parts on both teams for me to feel confident. One way. I do, I think the Saints should win. Yeah, but do I do they cover? I don't know. I think this game could actually wind up being pretty close.
2: Yeah, I disagree. Atlanta and the Saints have historically always been, no matter how good either team is, really a good, good fight. Um, and I also think that when you look at the Saints team, they're not overly talented comparable to Atlanta, which is kind of concerns me as well. So I wouldn't like the bet on this game either. I think the Saints should be able to cover, but I wouldn't guarantee it. Yeah,
0: Agreed. Let's move on to the Raiders and the Giants. We already talked about the Henry Rugg news at the top of the show. If you missed it, go back and listen to us on your favorite pod streaming app because I don't want to have to talk about that nonsense again. As far as the fantasy-wise goes, Derek Carr comes in. Our uh, QB 13, for me, was one of the streamers that I mentioned on the show that you could pick up and play with some confidence. Despite what you saw on Monday night with the Chiefs, believe me, the Giants' defense is a defense that you can take advantage of. And Derek Carr... Has been doing a very good job this season. He's been, he has more 300 yard passing games than any quarterback in the NFL so far this year. He's been good, especially in these spots where he gets to play against a below average defense, which the New York Giants are. And even without Henry Ruggs, I'm not worried about the, 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 the production from the receivers. Why? Because Darren Waller should be back and healthier after coming off the bye week. He practiced today. He sounds like he's going to be good to go. Josh Jacobs came back. He practiced today. He got much needed rest. He should be good to go. And he's been more involved in the passing game. By the way, he comes in at RB12 for me this week because he's been a little bit more involved in the passing game since John Gruden stepped away. And then Hunter Renfro. Look, someone's got to benefit from Henry Ruggs being out. And Brian Edwards has been playing More snaps, running more routes than all the wide receivers all season long, and it hasn't equaled into production at any point in time this season. I don't think it's going to start now. Hunter Renfro comes in at wide receiver 31 for me. Bryant Edwards is still somebody that I don't want to play if I can at all help it. And just to cap it off, Kenyon Drake, just outside my top 36, comes in at RB 38. He's had a decent role. But as long as Josh Jacobs is healthy, I hope you have other options to go with. Where are you at on the Raiders, Chris?
2: So I absolutely love Derek Carr, as you pointed out. He's been one of the more consistent quarterbacks this entire season. Um, Post-John Gruden, this is his offense. He's been able to check which in the place he wants to call. He looks very comfortable out there. I don't think that changes whether Ruggs is out there or not. Um, As for Waller, I think Waller continues to be what he's been this entire season. When they can go to him, they will. Their teams are going to continue to try to focus on taking them away. So it's not going to be, you don't expect him to have Charles Kelf's numbers out, out there necessarily week in week out, but he's going to have his big games. This is the week that he can actually produce. Giant secondary is not good. Um, and as you pointed out, this chiefs, you know, lack of offense versus the Giants team wasn't something that was real. It's more the chiefs versus the giants being good on defense. Um, and I also then think about the receivers. And I think that I'm a little disagreement with you. I think Hunter Henry, Renfro is going to continue to be what he's been this entire season, which is Derek Carr's favorite target in the go-to situations. I don't think it really is going to change a whole lot. I do think this changes Brian Edwards' outlook. Um, I think that what's going to happen is instead of him taking the shots down the rugs or using rugs in some of the slant and crossing patterns they were, Edwards is going to get more of a chance to kind of do that, maybe move around the formation a little bit more. So I think it actually is going to bump him up a little bit um where i think he's gonna be more consistent he has been playing the most snaps he has been more more and so out there but he's also been kind of primarily lining up on the right side as a guy who kind of jobs the opening up things from underneath i think he's gonna be a little different of a little different role without rugs on the other side now because i don't think zay jones can fill that role and i don't think anybody else in the receiving guy or receiving core is going to necessarily step up and be somebody that you have to use utilize with the ball so i see a little bit of consolidation in the passing game overall as for jacobs and drake I think Jacobs isn't – I'm not as high on as Jacobs as you are. I do think he's a top 15 running back. You're, you're basically hoping for a touchdown. Uh, the guy doesn't have looked healthy to me this entire season or explosive. Um, the offensive line isn't very good, but they should be able to have enough points and be able to move the ball through the air that they're going to get him in the red zone opportunities. So I do think the touchdown potential is there. And Drake, to me, looks like the better running back overall. It's, you know, quickness and speed, and it looks better fit for the offense. So I think he can continue to be a solid play, especially in a flex option.
0: Alright, alright. All right. By the way, Darren Waller, my tight end too on the week. I got a question here on Twitch. Uh, Mike Gucci asked, hey, I have Mike Williams and Mike Evans. I might try to sell Mike Williams. I'm not sure with Evans. What do you think I should try to sell Mike Williams for? Well, look, as far as player specifics go, when we get these kind of questions, it's all relative to who has what in your league, what the needs are, and everything like that. Uh, as far as buy low candidates, uh, Mike Evans actually comes to kind of mind for, for me at the moment. Uh, Chris, what's the value? Because I think it's a better there's a better way to put it. What's the value that you think you could sell Mike Williams for?
2: So for me, if I'm going to try to sell Mike Williams, I'm looking for at least an RB2, if not more. I'm not trying to trade for another receiver because I don't really think there's a guy that's out there that's a sleeper that can do what Mike Williams can do for you necessarily. Unless somebody's going to give you Stefan Diggs. Um, and right. I think for running back situation, you're looking for a guy who's going to be, has the potential to be like an RB one, maybe borderline RB two, um, maybe try to buy me of the guys on the IR if you're looking for something along with another player. But I, I wouldn't look to move on to either one of those guys. I think both of them have, you know, better days ahead of them. And while you haven't got consistency for the last couple of weeks out of those guys, and Mike Evans had a three touchdown game, like two games ago. So he's going to continue to be the right zone guy for this table Bay. Don't get nervous about Gronk and Mike Williams. The Chargers' offense has struggled for two weeks in a row. Another team don't get overly concerned about what they're going to do because they're not going to play the Patriots every week. They're not going to put out duds every week, and you're going to get back on track. They're not playing the Ravens again, so I think Mike Williams' better days are still ahead as well. I don't sell that. I don't sell either one of those guys unless I'm getting myself a borderline RB one or a high RB two.
0: I tend to agree with you. I will say this though: I have seen some package deals where Mike Williams has been sold for. Devontae Adams, they package a Mike Williams and a running back together, depending upon the owner of Devontae Adams, they're less than 500. And they were, you know, hurt by last week. And they you think they're going to be hurt the next two weeks without. Oh, yeah. I mean, if monitors. you're going to package
2: them to upgrade, I could see that. But if you're going to move one of the guys, to me, that you're looking for at least a running back in return. Yeah, that's if you
0: want 1-1, I agree with you. Unless you can get Stephon Diggs for him, there aren't really too many elite receivers that you can buy low on. And to your point, once you get past the elite group of wide receivers, all the wide receivers are pretty much the same as far as that second tier goes, which is where he's at. So that's why I agree with you. If you're not getting a high-end RB2 at the very least, then I don't know what else you'd really want to sell off Mike Williams for. That includes Mike Evans, by the way, too, because I know you said you were talking about Mike Evans. Uh, as well. Let's get back to the game that we were talking about here. So We ca- we talked about the Raiders, our expectations there. Pretty much, it's play anybody you'd be interested in. And then, of course, you go to the Giants. Daniel Jones, is not uh, first of all, Daniel Jones is hardly ever a streaming option for me. I hear every week from different people how he's a streaming option. He, he's not, okay? The only way he's actually good fantasy-wise is if he runs. He hasn't run since he's gotten injured. and I don't know if it's because he just wants to avoid re-injury, whatever the case may be, but he hasn't been running since he's gotten that concussion injury. I don't expect that to suddenly happen in this game. Now we do have all the injury news, and this is the problem with the Giants in general. Giving fantasy analysis for the Giants is is a complete headache, especially for someone like me who does rankings. We do think Sterling Shepard's going to miss a few weeks, so he's definitely going to be out this week. We think it's going to probably be a few weeks with the quad issue, so he kind of takes himself out of the conversation. Kenny G did come back in practice today, so he's on track to maybe return. Saquon, we don't know because of the COVID fiasco if he was actually going to practice today or not or where he's in particular at. At least with Saquon, it's pretty simple. If he doesn't play, Devontae Booker is a low-end RB2 based on volume. So that kind of takes care of himself. If he does play, obviously he's in your lineup. He's a low-end RB1 for me. So that part's not too tricky. What's tricky is the wide receivers. Now, if Sterling Shepard's going to be out, then I don't really care if Kenny G plays, Slayton's healthy, whatever. If Tony plays... Which it sounds like he's going, so he practiced limit capacity, and they're saying that the hand gash is not really expected to, keep, expected to keep him out this week. If he plays, he's a slot receiver. The only receiver I'm interested in on the lines is whoever's playing that slot receiver role that given week. So therefore Derrick Home becomes somebody I am very interested in. I actually will have a brain right because we're still just but I will move him up into my third sixth fourth play if he's in fact, going to be able to go with a missing Sterling Shepherd. What, what are you at, Chris, on these giant players?
2: Yeah, uh, first of all, let's clarify for you. Kenny Galladay just stretched us today. He did, He whacked, they actually reported that he did not practice as overall for the day. Um, the reporter saw him early and reported he was there, but then they realized he actually didn't practice today as what he was listed as. Um, I don't know if he's going to return or not, but I tend to agree with you. Whoever that slot receiver is, is, is primarily the number one option for Daniel Jones week in, week out. So that's going to be the guy you want to play. Um, I think you can play Galladay possibly this game because I don't think that the they're going to stop the Raiders. Raiders are going to be able to score points in this game. This game reminds me a lot of the Eagles game where the Raiders just kind of you know dominated the Eagles a couple weeks ago. There's no reason to me this shouldn't be the same kind of situation. As a result, you talk about Daniel Jones not really having you know being a streaming option or a play this week. What did Jalen Hurts do versus that that Raiders team? He didn't run no great. He had a couple, I think he stumbled into a touchdown eventually towards the end of the week, yeah. end of the game. Um, but you're not looking for Daniel Jones to really be a play. And I think overall, you know, Booker's the guy you're probably going to go because this is last week you're going to get the volume you hope for out of him. And I would go Tony if he's out there, but uh, even him I'm a little bit cautious about because I feel like this guy might breathe, you know, he might breathe on him and, and early in the game and be out for the rest of the game. So I'm not really sure if he's going to be able to make it through. I think Galladay is one of those guys you can play, but coming off the, you know, the long rest that he has, even if he's kind of healthy, I wouldn't necessarily trust it.
0: Tend to agree. Betting wise, this game's in New York. The Raiders are favored as Road Dogs at minus three. Give me the Raiders. I like their, even though they're going from West to East Coast, they're a superior team to the New York Giants. I think the Giants kind of shot their load a little bit against the Chiefs last week. So give me the Raiders minus three this week as a, one of my lock bets of the week.
2: Yeah. That's, that's, thank you, Vegas, for that line because there is yeah. no way. No way that this is not going to Raiders are not the same old Raiders team, guys, and particularly defense is not the same old defense. People seem to be exactly. overlooking that they can get pressure. Uh, what does Daniel Jones and the Giants struggle with with pressure? So this isn't going to be a, the game you guys think is going to be. I, I'm all over that bet. I'm with you. I didn't realize it was that low. That's just dumb. Thank you. Vegas. It's my, yep.
0: It's minus three. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. we got a few more games to preview and the mailbag segment for you guys. So stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Your
2: client's going away for 10 years. Unless. Unless.
0: Swap first round picks. It's football season, baby, and you know what that means? It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time for you to join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using promo code BellyUpFantasy at manscape.com for 20% off and free shipping. It's three and out the window with all the other hair trimmers. Now go tame that Wildcat offense. As the world is starting to open, the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is here to help you get ready. Inside, you'll find their brand new lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, plus two free gifts, Performance Boxer Briefs, and the Shed Travel Bag. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is the perfect package for your package and a key for great grooming and hygiene routine to make sure the boys downstairs are smooth like Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BellyUpFantasy at manscaped.com today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back in, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Streaming to you live on social media at Billy Up MD FF Show, and, of course, on YouTube. Check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. And we'll be back tomorrow from 6 to 7.30 on the Unhinged Radio Network and then at 8.30 for the Late Slate of matchup previews for week nine. But right now we're talking about the Thursday night preview, which you did early on the show and all the early window games for the week nine matchup previews, talk about fantasy football expectations and our NFL picks of the week. Chris, let's talk about the Patriots and the Carolina Panthers, two teams kind of trending in the opposite direction right now. Patriots trending up Panthers trending way down, but let's start on the Patriots side of the because, From a fan's perspective, they're, they're pretty simple. It's as Damian Harris It's a tough matchup here. I have an RB20. The volume is too much to ignore. He's got a good shot for a touchdown. Unfortunately, he's not allowed to touch the ball in the passing game at all. But this matchup does give him a little bit of a lower floor than what we've seen the past couple of weeks. However, given some of the bye weeks, he still comes in that RB2 for me. And Jacoby Myers, he... He winds up making my top 36. I may change this and put him outside of it. He comes in at wide receiver 35 for me. The big thing that was giving him some fantasy value in half-point and full-point PPR, leagues was the volume. But that volume is getting more spread out amongst the wide receivers over the past couple of weeks. I don't know how much you could trust him, especially against a team that's been very good against wide receivers, and Stephon Gilmore will make his debut against New England Patriots this week. So I don't know how much you want to take advantage of this. That's why I don't really want to play the tight ends. Hunter Henry's tight end 15 for me. But really, I'm looking at this as Damian Harris, top 20 running back. Outside of that, I have no interest in the Patriot this week.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, Gilmore did come back last week because I pointed out he was mad, manned up on Pitts, but he's playing against the Patriots. Is a big I'm game sorry. versus yeah. for him. Um, but I'm, I am I think it's point blank for me, the Patriots, the only person I feel confident is playing is Damien Harris. I'm not touching the rest of the skill players. Unless I'm in a, a full point PPR, then maybe Myers is an option. But I don't like any of the other guys because, to your point, they're spreading the ball around too much. And I don't see any, any key place there's a weakness on um, Carolina that you can attack, particularly with Shaq Thompson back.
0: Yeah. I mean, the defense of Carolina has been very good, although the offense has been questionable, to say the least, because Sam Darnold continues to trend downward. He didn't practice today with the concussion. We'll see if he practices tomorrow. That's usually been the key. If they can practice by Thursday in a limited capacity, then they're on the right track to play Sunday. If not, it'll be PJ Walker. And if PJ Walker plays, I don't know how much I'm going to touch anybody on Carolina. I'm going to tell you that right now. I think you'd have to play DJ Moore, because I doubt you'd probably have a better option. And you'd have to play whoever the running back's going to be. But that would be about it. Although I have to say, even with Sam Darnold lineup, it ain't that much different anyway. Just have a little bit higher expectation for DJ Moore. As far as the running backs concerned, yes, Christian McCaffrey was designated to return today. Opens up his 21 day window. From what Matt Roll said, he was very limited in practice today and even leading into this week. I didn't have any comments that Chris McCaffrey's going to play this week regardless because of the comments he made on Tuesday and Monday where he talked about Week 9 and Week 10 being 50-50 for McCaffrey, kind of alluding that that last week of his IR return is when they de- – Week 11, they definitely plan on having him by then. But to say he's 50-50 for Week 9 and Week 10 – when you're in week nine, which is a weird comment to make, makes me think he's definitely less than 50-50 for week nine. So I actually think Chuba Hubbard's going to play this week. I do have him ranked at RB15. While his passing game has been frustrating, and with Amir Abdullah, apparently that role is going to go to him now, I will say whether it's P.J. Walker or Sam Darling against his Patriot team, the only place I think they're going to find any success is if they stay on the ground. So I expect a big volume for Hubbard. Does come in at RB fifteen for me if Darnold plays. DJ Moore is my wide receiver eighteen, and then I don't care about the rest. Where are you at in the Panthers?
2: Okay, so I 100% agree that you play DJ Moore if you have him. Although, don't be you know, be definitely aware of the Patriots are really good at trying to key on your number one playmaker and trying to take that guy away, and he's obviously their top yeah. playmaker.
0: He's gonna have a floor. I'm with
2: I'm with you on the agreement about Chubba Hubbard. I think he's gonna play this week. I'm hopeful as a Christian McCaffrey owner, he's gonna come back. I think this is more of a situation. Had they lost to Atlanta last week, he would have been back this week because of a desperation situation. But because they were able to beat Atlanta, then they're going to try. They prefer to bring him back the following week, which I think is what's going to happen. So I think that he's going to kind of get ramped up. I don't think he's going to be active. I think Hubbard's a, a, a decent play, but don't be too, don't expect RB1 numbers out of this guy. The Patriots have been pretty good against the running back position for most of the season. Um, and then overall, I do think he can play, though, because I think he's an RB2 or a flex option. Yeah, The guy I'm going to shock everybody with If and only if P.J. Walker plays, I would actually go with Robbie Anderson as one of my plays this week. He has been – I'm I'm telling you guys, we can argue about it lately. We'll see if I'm wrong and shove it down my throat. But I'm going to go with him as a a play because I think when Robbie Anderson's actually going to get 11 targets that he actually can catch, um, I think he's going to have an opportunity to be pretty decent. They had a connection for when Walker had a couple of games where he played, I think it was last year. um, And I think you're going to see that he will actually give him the ball better than Sam Darnold could. Now, if mm-hmm. plays, you no
0: know, Robbie Anderson. P.J. Walker is going to get eaten alive by the defensive if he plays. That's, I don't. That's I don't, my call. That's my call. Okay. Okay. I like it. It's a bold call. It's a bold. It's that's good up, for a bold, bold call. call. It's good for a bold call. How about betting this game? I don't know if I want to, but it's minus four in favor of the Patriots on the road. The overrunner set at disgusting 41. Not Anything you like there? Yeah, I'm not no. betting this game either. Let's move on to the Buffalo Bills and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Pretty straightforward this game. Josh Allen, my number one QB, because why wouldn't he be? Uh Stefan Diggs, wide receiver six this week. Still just it's been frustrating a bit with Stephon Diggs. He's not getting that same volume that he got last year. Cause believe it or not, Emmanuel Sanders is an upgrade over John Brown. And they still have they have, you know, the emergence of Dawson Knox, even though he's been banged up the last couple of weeks. And Cole Beasley is still a thing here and there, although Beasley dealing with a rib issue today did not practice, but they still think he's going to play on Sunday. But Diggs still is a wide receiver one. Just maybe he's not that top three guy that he was a season ago, but you love him in this matchup. Of course you love his upside too. I love them all. Manuel Sanders is my wide receiver 26. Cole Beasley my wide receiver 29. I still think you play Cole Beasley as a safe wide receiver three, as long as Dawson Knox continues to miss. Didn't practice today. I don't think the expectation is for him to play this week either. So the real question kind of, I think, comes in the running backs. Can you play both of them? I say the answer is yes. Zach Moss comes in RB 21 for me. Devin Singletary is RB 30. There's a good chance Buffalo just routes them in the second half and Moss and Singletary take turns, you know, feasting some fantasy points there in the fourth quarter. So pretty much every single Buffalo bill, is in my top 30 this week in their positions and our plays.
2: Playing the Jags, huh? No, I don't you know, I don't argue against that. You have two fast-paced teams that love to get lots of plays out there, so you have a chance for a lot of guys to be able to eat in this game. I'm not as bold in Singletary, where I think both running backs for Buffalo can eat. It hasn't really been the case that even one can eat most weeks. I, don't, um, I do think Zach Moss is the most preferred player play for Jack- myself. Jaguars. This is very true as well. Um, <laughs> I do prefer Zach Moss in that in a situation because – while Buffalo can use Singletary early in the games, they tend to like use Zach Moss to kind of, if they're up big and to kind of finish out games. So I think he's got more red zone you know, opportunities. So I'd probably play Moss over Singletary. I do think Sanders is a play. I think Diggs is a must play. Uh, Cole Beasley is a guy that I think is going to be, you know, like to pointed out, as long as Dallas Knox isn't back. And, you know, Gavis is kind of being involved, but still not fourth receiver. I think Cole Beasley has a safe floor. I don't love his upside, but I think if you're PPR league, like you definitely play him in a, a half-point PPR Maybe you have a better option, but if not, then you can you know, close your eyes and hope it's Jacksonville Jags.
0: Yeah, exactly. And on the Jacksonville side of things, look, we're waiting to see if James Robinson can play. They're calling him day-to-day. I would lean towards he winds up missing this week and maybe comes back next week, and I have it ranked as such. Carlos Hyde is my RB24. The one thing I will say is that these backup running backs who get all the volume when they come in, even when they have tough matchups, have managed to be very valuable assets in your fantasy leagues because it's hard to get running backs with that kind of workload volume. So even when they're backups and against hard teams, like the Buffalo Bills being the number one rush defense, they still find a way to put up a decent fantasy performance. So if Hyde's going to be the guy getting all the work and all the passing work and all the rushing work, I have him as RB 24 so I think you can play him. And Marvin Jones, that wide receiver 28, I don't feel good about it, but he seems to do well when he's not supposed to. This is a game he's not supposed to do well, so it kind of <laughs> kind of stays true there. And it's still, he's still the number one receiver for me for the Jaguars. He's still on a high volume passing attack offense. I know he's got Travis White. I don't love it, but he does come in at wide receiver twenty eight for me. The other guy I have a little bit of interest in, more so full point PPR, is Jamal Agnew. Now half point PPR have him at wide receiver forty two, but because he's taken over that slot role, he actually has a floor. Because of the volume. And the only place you can kind of move the ball in the Buffalo Bills is from the slot receiver position. So I'm not expecting a big game or anything, but if you need somebody to come in and plug a hole for you this week with a floor, Jamal Agnew can actually be that guy. What do you think about that, Chris?
2: Yeah, I, pre- I agree. Everything that people wanted out of Laviska Chanel coming into the season, you're going to get at Jamal Agnew, basically. You're going to get a guy who's going to have the six to seven catches for about 60 to 70 yards. He's going to have manufactured touches off of reverses sometimes or different screen actions. He's going to have that floor, as you kind of talked about. And it has to be obviously a priority to get in the ball. And people forget he played with um, Bevel, the offensive coordinator for Jacksonville, when he was in Detroit, and that's a key reason why he moved through the receiver position because Bevel saw something as a kick returner, as a playing defensive back for Detroit, but he had a special ability that he thought he could utilize. So I think this is a, kind of his pet project, and I think he's going to continue to be his pet project. Uh, we we've seen that when it comes to Urban Meyer, he likes to have a gadget player, and that kind of seems to be this guy. And like you said, you talked about the slots, one of the places you can attack Buffalo at. Marvin Jones, I, I mean. Yeah, I, I'm with you. It's like when you're supposed to do something, you don't. When you're not supposed to do something, you do. I think going can be a safe play in the sense that they're going to trail in this game and they're going to throw the ball. And We've seen Trevor Lawrence have opportunity to get guys involved, with, particularly late in the games, especially in the red zone, when they had to play catch-up. So maybe you get a cheap touchdown on Marvin Jones. Maybe you get some cheap yards out of Marvin Jones. So I think if you're in a bind, you do play Marvin Jones this week, not touching anybody else receiving core on Jacksonville, other than maybe the tight end Dan Arnold. Uh, that. It's Matt Moore is pretty good against tight ends. We saw Kiseki had okay success last week, but you know, I don't I think Darnold's another guy they kind of want to get the ball to. I think it's a really tough matchup for him this week. And then the running back situation, I'm curious to see what's going to unfold because from what I understand, Robinson's injury wasn't severe. Um there is some caution, but then Carlos High was a guy who was looked banged up today, although it's Wednesday, so it could just be a maintenance day again. Right. Um, I'm not really sure what they kind of expect to happen in a running back situation. So I'd stay tuned to see who they do start.
0: Yeah, I agree. Follow us on social media. We'll keep you up to date there. Yeah. Dan Arnold is a tight end 12 for me again, based on volume. I do still like him as a streaming option, a sleeper option, rest of season. If you've been at that position, because he does have some volume headed his way betting on this game, Buffalo favorite, of course at minus 14 and a half, the overrunner set at 48 and a half. Look, For as bad as that game was last week, the Bills actually still covered the 15 point line against the Miami Dolphins. I don't know why they wouldn't cover this 14 and a half spread against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I usually try to stay away from these big lines, but I am on the Bills minus 14 and a half as a lock bet of the week for me.
2: Yeah, I would be all over it if it was in Buffalo. I still agree with it, though, regardless. I, um, Buffalo is one of those teams that has not played down to their competition this year. No, they don't. And they're also one of the teams because they struggled offensively last week. They were going to try to get, have a get right game. And particularly when it comes to throwing the ball, I wouldn't be surprised. If they try to put up 40 this game.
0: Yeah, I agree. Let's move on to our last game. That we're talking about for today's show, the Minnesota Vikings, the Baltimore Ravens, the Vikings. Look, here's the good news. It's not a primetime matchup for Kirk cousins. <laughs> And they can't play much worse than they did last week against the Dats. It's Devs. not at, at home. It's not home. They <laughs> play better on the road. They play better on the road. So, look, I think the Vikings are going to play better than they did. Baltimore has been a vulnerable defense for most of the season, with the exception I think, they had one really good game. Other than that, you've been able to pretty much take advantage of Baltimore. Now, I don't really want to stream Cousins. There should be better options, but he is QB 16, so he's at that back end of the streaming territory for me when it comes to my rankings. But I'm more so excited about Dalvin Cook having a bounce-back week. He comes in my RB6. I'm excited about Justin Jefferson having a bounce-back week. I know he's a little bit banged up and played a little bit of a limited snap count in the second half, but he came out, practiced today, was completely fine. We're not worried about him for Sunday. He comes in at wide receiver 9, and Adam Thielen comes in at wide receiver 13 for me this week. Even Tyler Conklin comes in at tight end 10 because the Ravens have been bad against tight ends so far this year. But I think you're playing every Minnesota Viking player that you'd have interest in against the Baltimore Ravens on the road and not worry about what you saw in primetime last week.
2: Yeah, I'm for me, I'm disagree, but I'm sticking to the main options on the Vikings. I'm playing Cook, I'm playing you're Thielen, right. I'm playing Jefferson. I don't mind if you play Cousins. I don't think it's a bad play, particularly on the road versus Ravens team. I'm not gonna reach for Osborne or Conklin this week myself, though.
0: Okay. Okay. And on the Ravens side of things, Lamar Jackson. But a little bit frustrating, fantasy-wise, heading into the bye week. He's running around, but the passing attack hasn't always been there, hasn't been consistent enough. But I guess the Minnesota Vikings, they lose to Neil Hunter. There are, they're, they're trying to find guys to pick up off the street for the secondary right now. It's the Minnesota Vikings team. You saw it against Dallas. It's all against Cooper Rush. They're just improvising when they're out. They're back to what they looked like last season because of all the injuries. And if that's going to be the case... I love this game. Lamar Jackson, my number two, only behind Josh Allen as far as quarterbacks go. And, of course, Marquise Brown, my wide receiver 12. So a low-end wide receiver one for me. Because even with Rashad Bateman and the possibility of Sammy Watkins being back, Marquise's Brown's role is not going to go anywhere because Lamar Jackson continues to be aggressive every single game. He's got a great shot for some big plays in this one. Now, as far as Rashad Bateman and Sammy Watkins, I actually do have Bateman. As my wide receiver 38, I think coming out of the bye, I think he does take over officially that second receiver role. I think it's something you can potentially utilize depending on what your options are this week. And I think he will increase as we move forward for this week. If you have another option, I'd go with it, but he is in that territory of wide receiver four spot start. And then I guess it, the Murray didn't practice today. So I don't know if he's going to play this week. Maybe he doesn't. But if he does play and he is the starter, he did come in at RB 36 for me this week because he has the potential to score. I don't want to play a Baltimore Raven running back. If I can at all help it, I don't care how good the matchup is on paper. Chris, is there anything you're seeing with the Ravens that I'm not,
2: no, the only thing I'm concerned about, I think the Bateman's guy is actually going to be involved. I do think he could be a play. I think he could be receiver three. Um, and I think for a lot of teams out there, you're going to see them try to utilize him. For me, I think you're going to see the Ravens try to utilize him as more of their in-between guy. Kind of Sammy Watkins was in the beginning of the season. I would be surprised if he a to more three receiver sets out of this offense. I love Lamar this week. The only guy I'm concerned with Rashawn Bateman and Sammy Watkins both being healthy actually is Mark Andrews.
0: Yeah, I saw Mark Andrews my tight end three. I think he's turned a corner uh, a couple of weeks ago where he's just he's going to be that that consistent pass option of all the pass options in his offense. He's going to be the consistent one. I'm not worried about Rashad Bateman, Sammy Watkins taking that role because I don't think there is a role for a third receiver on this team. I think whoever's at number two, they get the role and then it's Mark Andrews uh, as far as his role is concerned. So I'm not worried about Mark Andrews at all with, with a healthy Rashad Bateman which we've seen the past couple of weeks and Mark Andrews be good. And even with the threat of a healthy Sammy Watkins, because there's rarely as there are three receivers on the field for this team anyway. So I do have him a tight end three. I feel pretty good about that. As far as betting this game goes, it's minus six, in favor of Baltimore at home, but the over under at 49 and a half. I'm taking the over. I think there's actually a very good chance. There's a shootout here on our hands in Baltimore on Sunday. So give me the over. I don't think I'm going to bet the line.
2: Yeah, I actually like the line more than I like the over. Um, I think the Ravens will cover. Um, I think for me, it's going to be like a twenty-eight, twenty-four game. So I'm trying to figure out what What did you say the, the over was?
0: The over is, is 49 and a half.
2: Yeah, I'd go on the over in that then as well. But I definitely like the Ravens at home. I like them to cover.
0: But you say it's twenty eight twenty four. That would they wouldn't cover it was twenty twenty four. It's minus six.
2: Twenty twenty four isn't a fifty two.
0: No, I'm talking about that. you said you would bet the line on the Ravens as well as the over under, did you not?
2: Yeah, you said the Ravens are favored by six and a half.
0: Right. But you just said so you I, I, I the bet, final I'd score twenty eight twenty four which means they well, didn't cover if that was the case.
2: I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm saying that score in my head because I think it's going to be around that frame. I don't think it's exactly going to be the score, but I can see it being something close. But I think the Ravens do score the win by the touchdown. Um, I, I, so I, I'm sorry about my number. That I said, but I, I'm trying to think around the range. I can think both teams could score. So, yeah, okay. I think it's going to be over. Because I think it'll be, it'll be like 50, 52 points or so.
0: Just want to be clear for MD Nation. Hey, guys, guess no, what time, time Thank
2: you. Time.
0: Yep. The mail's here. All right, guys, if you ever want to get in the mailbag segment, all you got to do is hit us up on social media, DM us at belly up MDFF show. We'll answer every single question that gets sent to us. And then we'll add in a few extras of our favorites to get mentioned on the show. As long as, you know, with you guys commenting in, like you did at the beginning of this part of the show, we always appreciate that as well. Rod, he asked, I need a replacement for Rogers, you and everybody else. Would you play big Ben or Daniel Jones? Well, first of all, Rod, these can't be your, your best two options. I wouldn't want to play either one of them. Now, I'll, I'll answer this two different ways. I'll answer it first way. I'll assume that these are your best two options. Maybe you're in a 14-16 team league, and these this is what you're dealing with, Which in which in that case, oh, I can't believe I'm saying it, but I probably would go Daniel Jones over Ben Roethlisberger because there's no ceiling the Roethlisberger's game. You maybe have the chance for Jones to decide to run around a little bit this game or have to come back from behind and the volume dictate uh, that he be a better option than Ben Robertsberger, but I don't love it. I'm also going to answer from the other side of. I think you got better options. Carson Wentz is still widely available out there. So is Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, there's there's some other options I think you can go with before you have to stream all the way down to those two guys <laughs> for you this week. So I think look in other areas if you can. But assuming that's your only actual options, then it would be Daniel Jones for me. What about you, Chris?
2: Yeah, I, I'm actually going to have to go with Ben for this reason, and one reason only. I think the Steelers' defense is going to be able to dominate for Chicago and get the ball back quite often, so Ben might just luck into some touchdown passes. So I'd probably go Ben in this situation, but I hate both his options, and I'm agreeing with you that you got to find something else out there on that waiver wire.
0: I have to think there is. AJ, rest of season, would you rather have Dan Arm or Pat Freermuth uh, for me it's easy because of the volume. It's Dan Arnold because Eric Ebron will be back at some point. So while I like Freeman's usage quite a bit, the volume takes it to Dan Arnold for me rest of the year.
2: Yeah, I have percent agree. I mean, we were talking about Ben how much productive can he actually be. He already has mouths to feed that he can't feed. There's no I think Dan Arnold's definitely a the guy they're looking to get up the ball to in Jacksonville. I like Dan Arnold.
0: Brian, rest of season two attack of Lavoa or Taysom Hill. It's Taysom Hill. He runs more. I know Tua can run more, but it's not something he really looks to do. Taysom Hill runs more. He's going to have a higher floor, the ceiling ratio, week in and week out rest of season for me.
2: I'm actually going to switch it up. I'm going to go with Tua in this. I like the volume in the passing game. I like that he scrambles enough to have a floor. I I question how much the Saints team offense is going to score overall points-wise the rest of the season.
0: And then last but not least, Jair, Flex, full-point PPR, Cole Beasley or Zach Moss this week. I'm going to go with Zach Moss. Uh, Even in full-point PPR league, he's been leading the way a little bit, the trend over the past couple games, although, I mean, it's the Bills. It could go back the other way any given second. But the past couple of weeks, the trend has been Zach Moss has been a little bit more involved in the passing game. And what I do know is this. If the Bills do get up big... Moss is the guy who melts the clock in the fourth quarter. So I think there's a decent chance here. He could get quite a bit of volume to end this game out. I'd rather have Zach Moss where we could have Stefan Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders, especially Sanders after getting blank last week, go off and go crazy and get theirs rather than a Cole Beasley this week. So I, I would take Zach Moss there.
2: Yeah, I go with Zach Moss as well. I mean, he, right now I used uh 20 number 25 and full point PPR as a running back. I think you're going to ride that guy, especially versus the Jacksonville team. that has been Swiss cheese this entire season. To your point, if they get up big, they like to use him. They also like to use him in the passing game. So I just think he's got a safe floor and better upside.
0: All right, guys, that's going to do it for the show. I know we went a little bit long today, but there's a lot that we had to cover. We'll be back again tomorrow from 6 to 7.30 on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingesn.airtime.pro. And then I'll be back live on social media at up Show and on YouTube with the... I uh, edit Thursday night football gamecast. I'll react to whatever big things are going on. Keep you up to date there and preview the late slate of week nine games at eight thirty the 30 highlights was. Yeah, exactly. So make sure you tune into that. Chris will be back with us on Friday for the MD's DFS contest and lock bets of the week at 9. P.M same places that you would normally go for all the other episodes and check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. Guys, I'm Dan Mater. This is Chris Dowhauer. Take care. We'll see you tomorrow.